Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. Words there of that song, crucified and pierced, amen. You know, when he came out of the tomb, a couple of the sisters saw him and they rushed to hug him and he said, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended unto my father and been glorified, right? And the next time they see him, he walks in through the wall. He's got a glorified body. He says, Thomas, put your finger into my side where they had stuck him and pierced him with that spear. He said, touch me in the palm of my hands. And the thing is, is he had a glorified body. He, he could have made that body perfect with no scars. But he kept those scars. Amen. And so people out in this world, they're pretty scarred up, beat up. Amen. And we have a Savior that knows what it's like to be hurt, abused. Amen. And whatever it might be. And I think about that is that you don't have to be perfect coming to the Lord. You can be scarred up by this world. Amen. We have a Savior that's scarred right there. And he took that, as you said Sunday morning, the propitiation. He was our replacement. Amen. Aren't you thankful we don't have to nail ourselves to a cross or whip ourselves like some of these poor people in the Philippines do? Amen. He did it all for us. He bore the cross. Amen. I'm thankful for that. Well, we are in for a real treat tonight. Amen. I tell you what, um, Sister Reyes is a real jewel of this local congregation, and I appreciate uh, her excellent spirit and everything about uh, this gracious, godly woman. And godliness is one of those attributes that it's hard to describe, but you know it when you see it. <laughs> I remember Brother Joseph, when he was with us, I would say, that's a godly man. <laughs> you, you know it when you, it's hard to describe godliness, but you know it when you see it. And uh, I give that uh, moniker, if you will, to Sister Reyes. Amen. God bless. Come and bless us with the word of God here tonight. about Jesus, isn't it? None of us are here on our own. Somebody prayed us through. Somebody prayed for us. Somebody cared about us. Most of all, it was Jesus. It's all about him. And we give him all the praise and honor and glory. And to the saints of God, my forever family. I mean, we'll have a lot of time to talk about it in the times to come. But now we're on a kind of a short time here, so we're going to work with that. <laughs> Thank you, brother. 
I want to call him Clinton, but he's not anything like a Clinton. He's a Colton. Lord, have mercy on me. (laughs) That last song is a beautiful song about our Savior. You know, uh, we're going to be talking tonight about Jesus in the feast. I can't recall. I'm a gleaner. How many of you are gleaners? When you're studying the word of God, you know, it's not all, you know, sometimes we go to the Thompson's book, you know, sometimes we go to different types of, uh, you know, encyclopedias and learning, but we have to be good gleaners. We have to check it out. We need to be Bereans about it because when it comes to the things of God, you need to be very careful. Well, in this case, I wasn't so careful because I didn't find the reference on this one, but I just thought of it. I wasn't even going to include it, but since he mentioned about that last song, uh, it was spoken about Josephus, the Jewish historian, that uh, in AD 65, he wrote about uh, a Passover of 18 of 65 AD. And he said there were 256,000 lambs that were slaughtered, and the slaughtering had to be done before 3 p.m. on the Passover. It had to be done by then, and the last one would be the high priest who would have the lamb for himself. And what was interesting to me about that was that high priest, at the very moment, 3 p.m., Jesus was on the cross. And he said, as pastor talked to us, couple of weeks ago, I guess, to tell us that. And he said it with a loud voice, the very thing that the high priest was saying at that very moment, it is finished. He finished the last one. And Jesus was the last one. At that very same moment, Jesus fulfilled the priest, um, the feast, feasts of the Lord, and we're going to look at some scriptures here. They are not Jewish feasts. They are God's feasts. Leviticus 23, 1 and 2. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, Concerning the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. So when we say Jewish feasts, it's not completely accurate, although the Jews are the ones who usually celebrate it, but these are God's feasts, and they were given as signs. Jesus was going to be the main picture, the whole plan of salvation, the whole 7,000 years is included in all of this. And I'm not going to be able to go into detail of all of that. In fact, I don't know it all. It's just too much. It's just too much of it. But he fulfilled those feasts. We're going to be talking mainly about the Feast of Tabernacles. But what is the first feast? There are seven feasts. Three times they would go to Jerusalem. But there were seven distinct feasts. The first one was that the first part of the year, Nisan, the religious year, it was Pesach. What's that? Yes. The Passover. The Passover. So 
all of these feasts had a historical and a prophetic significance. Passover, of course, celebrated what? Yeah, the Passover back in Egypt when they were still in Egypt. God told them to do what? Eat the blood of the lamb, put it on the doorposts, and that the angel would pass over them. So you get the name Passover. And then unleavened bread would follow immediately afterwards. Unleavened bread. And that has to do with, um, initially, they had to leave Egypt post-haste. They had to leave very quickly. Pharaoh said, get out. We've had enough of you. Get out of here. They didn't have enough time to make proper bread. That's why they had matzah, or unleavened bread. Unleavened bread. And so they celebrated that, that they had to have unleavened bread. Well, that speaks of Jesus because he was what? Unleavened. Leaven speaks of sin or a sinful nature. Jesus was, of course, without any sin. And he was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. What did John the Baptist say? Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, the most dumbest of all animals, the most weak of all animals. And yet our Lord identified with a lamb. You know, goats are pretty smart. Sheep are not. <laughs> you ever try to take a sheep? We had sheep and goats on our mission station. So, you know, sheep could go with you anywhere. You know, you just put a rope around their neck, they follow you anywhere, you know. You <laughs> but a goat, you could hear them clear across the mission. And they dig their heels in. I ain't going with you anywhere. <laughs> well, the Bible says there's goat nations and sheep nations. Sheeps are those that, sheep are those that follow what the master says. We are the sheep of his pasture. Hallelujah, we are his. Praise God. He is the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world. Uh, Colossians 2, 16 and 17, if you would. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body, or in another translation, the substance is of Christ. The substance is of Christ. It's all about him. It's all about him. Hallelujah. All right, and we're continuing on with Matthew 5, 17, please. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy it, but to fulfill it. That's what he came for. And to show them. And they were not prepared, although there had been many signs. The prophets spoke about them. I mean, I have so many scriptures of, of the prophecies of Jesus to come. We have Genesis 3.15, and I will 
put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. These are not my correct glasses. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. That was a prophecy of him to come. Then we have in Genesis 18, 18, promised seed of Abraham. Then uh, Genesis 17, 19, promised seed of Isaac. And then, uh, <coughs> excuse me, no, Numbers 24, 17, promised seed of Jacob. And that he would descend from Judah. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Judah from the 12 tribes. He would come from Judah. And then it talks even about the heir to the throne would be David. He would, Jesus would be heir to the throne of David, and that will be in the millennium. Place of his birth, it's talked about in Micah 5.2. Bethlehem, Ephratah, spoken about. But, you know, they saw all of these scriptures, and there are over 100 of them, that talked about Jesus to come. The rabbis, they studied it, and many of them had an idea but they weren't really informed. So that Jesus said, you didn't know the time of my visitation. The prophets have talked about it. But you didn't know the time of my visitation. And I'm wondering, you know, with all the signs that we have had just in our lifetime, if we are aware of his second coming. The first feast, the spring feast, which included Passover, unleavened bread. And we, then later on, of course, we did the uh, Pentecost. That's still part of the, the main one of the spring, the last one of the spring one, where the church was born. Jesus fulfilled that. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The spirit came. What day was that celebrating? The time that Moses gave the Old Testament law and God on Pentecost was giving the New Testament spirit, the age of grace, the age of the church. So there's so many things that you, you can consider with these feasts and how they go. All right. Um, first fruits, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits. Jesus was the first fruits. Okay. 1 Corinthians 15, 20, and 23. Think not that, uh, where did I put that? But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. He's the first fruits of the resurrection. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. So we are his first fruits. And then we go to uh, Exodus 34, 22. More about the first fruits. And thou shalt observe the Feast of Weeks. What is the Feast of Weeks? That's Pentecost. 50 days. The first fruits of the wheat harvest and the Feast of Ingathering at the year's end. Amazing. Amazing. He fulfilled all of these feasts. The first part was the barley harvest, that was the first part, the beginning of it, and the first fruits of the early harvest. But then Pentecost, the barley harvest. Now, 
The one we're going into is going to be the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the harvest. They're all talking about harvest, all of them. They all talk about harvest. But the next one, Feast of Tabernacles, is talking about the harvest of grapes and olives and figs and all of those things. They come later. And there's significance to all of those, which is another message entirely. I started looking. I said, there's no way I can fit that in. But they talked about, uh, you know, the significance of all of those. But Jesus, enough to say that Jesus fulfilled them all. Romans 8, 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Do we have the first fruits of the Spirit? Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. Are you waiting for that? My back tells me I'm waiting for that. Amen. My joints tell me I'm waiting for that. For the adoption, the redemption of our body. And we shall have a body fashioned like unto his glorious body. Amen. Walls won't mean a thing. <laughs> just press right on through, just like he did. Amen. It's going to be a glorious body without any kind of infirmity at all. Praise the Lord for that. All right. Uh, Romans 16.5. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Eponidas, who is the firstfruits of Achaia unto Christ. Do you have firstfruits in your family? Do you have firstfruits in your neighborhood? Do you have firstfruits on your job? I shouldn't say do you. I should say do we. Do we have firstfruits? My well-beloved Eponidas, who is the first fruits of Achaia. I celebrated that. He's the first one in Achaia to come to Jesus. Amen. It's exciting. When you see somebody that comes from a, you know, a background, you know, certain parts of L.A., say, he's the first fruits. He's the first fruits of that gang. He's the first fruits of that sinful lifestyle. He's the first fruits. Well, God wants us to have some first fruits there too. Amen. All right, James 1.18. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And the next one, Revelation 14.4. These are they which are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. The firstfruits of the tribulation. The time of the tribulation. This 144,000. But they're not the only ones. Because there are some under the altar that are crying out. Lord, Lord, how long, how long till you avenge us? And the Lord replies, when your brothers and your sisters also have died as you have died and suffered 
and been martyred like you have been martyred. So first fruits, first fruits. God is doing a wonderful work. He's taught this lesson years and years ago, thousands of years ago, taught us about it. And still today, the truth is there of the first fruits. And Jesus is the first fruits of them that slept. He is the first fruits of the resurrection. He fulfilled that in himself. Then, of course, Pentecost was beautiful. We talk about that a lot, don't we? We talk about Pentecost, birth of the church. Jesus told his disciples, tarry. After he ascended, he said, tarry ye until what? Till the Holy Ghost comes. <laughs> Jesus told his disciples, Tarry ye in Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of the Father. It's coming. It's coming. He told them, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Moses gave the law, as we, re we referred to a little bit ago. He wrote that. But then on Pentecost, Moses gave the law of the Old Testament. On Pentecost, this Pentecost, Jesus wrote the law upon our hearts. It's not on tables of stone. It's written inside of our heart now. We don't have to go read a book to tell us what not to do. It's inside of us, his spirit that's inside of us. And that he wrote that. And then another interesting, I think you probably already know it, but when Moses delivered that law and he came down the mountain, heard that music going on, and then he caught an eyeful you know, and they were dancing around that golden calf, having a merry time, drunk as they could be, just really having a real horrible time. But Moses threw down the tables of law, but then there was a reckoning, and he said to them, who's on the Lord's side? Come on this side. There's a line drawn here. And on that day, 3,000, 3,000 were slain from the golden calf. But our Pentecost, the birth of the church, 3,000 were redeemed by the power of God. Amazing. Some more likenesses of things. Those glorious. It's all about the harvest. New covenant of grace, the old covenant of the law. Jesus fulfilled that law, and so we can enter into that grace. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles, I've got me a few minutes here. We are going into uh, this particular one is Shemitah, beginning of a new seven-year period. And it's also a jubilee. It's a year, what is it? I wrote it down, 5783. A new seven-year cycle is beginning on Yom Kippur. Now, that particular day is when the Jubilee is always celebrated. That's 50 years when everything goes back. Everything goes back to where you lost your land, you lost your in debt, you were paying for it. 
But the Jubilee comes, and it takes care of it. And then the Hakel, which is tabernacles, that was the day that the king would read from the Torah to the people. He would read to them on that tabernacles. We've got some interesting things happening also. A couple blood moons going on this year as well. So these are coming up next month. Next month. And I'm not saying that Jesus could come, but he would. He, he might come right on that fulfillment. He fulfilled every other feast on the exact day, on the exact time. Why would he not fulfill these last group of feasts? I believe he will. I believe he will. Feast of Tabernacles after the summer. That seven, three-month period there, you have the spring feast and then you have summer. That's when the harvest is going on. The church age, the times of the Gentiles is going on. But then we come into the autumn. Tishri, which is the seventh month. What does seven stand for? Completion. The finishing up of things. The finishing up, the fulfillment we still have a few things that need to be fulfilled yet in the Feast of Tabernacles. So it starts with trumpets. But before that, there must be two witnesses that agree that they have seen the new moon. They cannot do it until they have two witnesses. They can't sound the trumpet that starts the whole shebang, the trumpet blowing, the times of blowing, Yom Turuach, Turuach. Those feasts began with that trumpet blowing. You could hear it. And they blew it and blew it and blew it. Some people said a hundred times. I don't know exactly. I didn't really check that out. But it begins the new year, which is called Rosh Hashanah. Rosh means head. Hashanah is year. So it begins the new year of the civil calendar. But it's the seventh month of the civil of the religious calendar they got two calendars we have two calendars too july ends what fiscal year and we have the one starts in january so it's not unusual a lot of cultures have more than one calendar and then you got farmers almanac too they got their own calendar <laughs> all right so the two witnesses must verify that the new moon they have seen it, and that is particularly known as the day which no man knows. Sound familiar? In Matthew, two witnesses have to agree that they have seen the new moon, and it's agreeable. Then the trumpets begin to blow, but it is known as the day which no man knows because they don't really know until that verification has been given. Trumpets are blown. It's the time of blowing, and it precedes the next nine days, which are called the days of awe, A-W-E-R, because it's a time of repentance, a time of mourning, a time of sadness, a time of introspection, a time of self-examination. 
think about it back in the Old Testament times, you know, looking at that, everything was hinging on that high priest who was going to go that one day on Yom Teruah into that tabernacle or temple that one day of the year to present that blood upon the altar. Everything hung on that. If he wasn't successful, the whole nation would not have been covered. Somebody told about the the priests having bells on their robes. <laughs> if you heard them bells ringing, you know, you just grab their foot and drag them out. You know, you dare not go in there. And then be sure that your sins weren't taken care of. But there's no recording that that was not done. So I hope it didn't happen. But uh, we know that God has specifics about things that he likes done the way he wants it done. Aaron's sons messing around with the holy censer. They didn't get the right kind of fire. They had strange fire. Not from the altar. They put their own kind of fire in there. And God didn't play with them. And then God told their daddy, don't you cry. Ooh. Pretty rough, pretty rough. But God wanted things done the right way. Even Passover, you got to put that blood. Suppose they put the blood on the floor. Would that have been accounted for the right thing to do? It had to be done on the lintel. And if you look on both sides, it kind of forms a cross, doesn't it? This side of the lintel, that side of the lintel, and the top of the lintel. Horizontal and vertical. God wants things done his way. He told Noah about the ark, didn't he? He told him every specification, exactly how to build it, with what materials he should use to build it, exactly the design of it. This is the way I want you to do it, Noah. It took him a long time to do it, but he did it right. The right kind of wood. God even told him what kind of wood to use, the shatim wood. And you use that because that will take you through the storm that's coming. Then we have in the tabernacle, God wanted things done specifically as well. Make it according to what? The pattern of heavenly things. Make it according to the pattern. Don't change anything. Make it according to the pattern. I want you to make it exactly right. And there was a lot of details there. A lot of materials that were to be used. And they had to use the exact materials and the exact uh, metals. The brass for, you know, judgment. And then you had the silver for redemption. And you had the gold for deity. They had to use all of those things in the proper way. They had the wood that made the different furnishings of the uh, holy place and most holy place. And they had to be covered with gold, humanity covered with divinity. And there's a lot of other things that go along with that. But everything God wants done, he wants it done the right way. Moses missed out on the promised land because what? Yeah, he was told to speak to the rock. The first time, hit it. 
second time, speak to the rock. He broke God's types and shadows. You don't do that. Moses prayed and prayed and asked God. God said, don't talk to me anymore about it. That's it. That's it. Anyway, I don't want to be on that side of God, do you? <laughs> Amen. Then, of course, Yom Kippur. Jesus in Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, he bore the judgment of our sins in his own self upon the tree. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Beautiful, beautiful thought there. And then Sukkot, which is the booths, they were to be in these uh, little makeshift tents. They were three sides. You can see them on, on, on YouTube if you look at but they have three sides. The top could not be anything solid, so they could look up to the heavens. You know, branches and stuff was okay. They needed to be able to look up to the heavens, and there needed to be an opening there in the front. God told them how those kind of things should be done, and there were certain things that they had to do. They had this thing called an etrog, which is like a big lemon, and uh, <coughs> this three kinds of tree branches, and they just had a, fun time the kids were doing it you know doing the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around and you know it's just wonderful they had uh you know repentance redemption and now they're having rejoicing recreation all of the good things but it doesn't come before yom kippur the day of atonement the booze began on the 15th of Tishrei and lasted for seven days. And it celebrates God's dwelling with his people. Revelation 14.4. These are the, okay, we did that one. Let's see. Then uh, Zechariah 12.10. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace. And of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. And he shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. This is going to happen during the tribulation when God is going to return his focus to the Jews. Fulfill his purposes and plans that he had there for them. And they're going to see it. I think, you know, after those... 144,000, and the two witnesses are finished what they're doing there in Jerusalem. I mean, they're not going to be able to make excuses, you know, and then there will be some who will turn. They will turn back to God, and they will look on him whom they have pierced, and they will mourn and weep for him. Praise God. Romans 11, 25, 26. <clears throat> for I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, Lest you should be wise in your own conceits that the blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. It's almost here, beloved. It's almost here. The times of the Gentiles is almost fulfilled. And then Zechariah 14, 16 to 19. 
And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations. Well, I might ask you a question first. Is there going to be drought in, during the millennial kingdom? Is there going to be plagues? Yes. Yes. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. And it shall be that whoso will not come up to the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. And the family of Egypt, and if the family of Egypt go not up and come not, that have no rain, there shall be the plague wherewith the Lord shall smite the heathen that come not up to keep what? The feast of tabernacles. That's going to be the one feast that we continually celebrate. The importance of it is not lost. He's coming and he's fulfilling every single thing that the prophets spoke of, and the apostles. Father, we thank you. Lord, you're a precise God. Your word is sure and will be fulfilled just as you said it would. We don't understand it all. We see through a glass darkly, Lord. And some of these things, when we read other people's writings and they point it out to us, we just, just get so excited about what you're doing, Lord, and what's going to happen. So many wonderful things, Lord. Help us not to be among those that are not aware of the timing of your coming. As we prepare ourselves, the bride is making herself ready for her heavenly bridegroom. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.